Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, events, and issues surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Feinstone. We are contributors to the Fight Game Media Network. Jeremy, I mention at the top of the show all the time, news, events, and issues. And the first two, we have a ton of news, and there were a lot of events to cover. Right. And there are a lot of interesting things to come, to the point that I don't know if you and I can handle it just alone. But so thankfully, I think we have a solution to that here. But what a week. I mean, we, we talked <laughs> right. about it last week that there were just a lot of shows to get through. This week, there were a lot more, uh, or there were more, uh, not a lot more than the previous week, but the same as the previous week. But very newsworthy, a lot of moves going on. And seemed like uh, each day there was something interesting happening in that ring there. I, this one this one had my head spinning. I enjoyed it. Have you Have you ever heard of a lore dump? where they just dump a whole lot of information and backstory and and set the stage and all of a sudden everything that you need to know about everything that you want to know has all just been told to you over the course of five days we got like a lore dump in new japan and it was fun and it was set the stage for the next year but there is a lot to get through and like you said we brought somebody on to uh help us out with this because in addition to the New Japan Cup, we have the Impact Wrestling Crossover Multiverse United. And yeah. we have one of the hosts of Brace for Impact to join us for this. And we're going to bring on Mike Gilbert right now. Mike Gilbert, how you doing? Hey, now. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. A little under the weather, but I am hanging in there, man. I wasn't about to miss this thing for the world. <laughs> we is, definitely appreciate you being here. We've never had you on the show. And uh, mm. you, are, you are one of the... Uh, the first to uh, branch out in the fight game media network and uh, set the stage for other people. So just really happy to have you on, man. Yeah. I'm really excited to be here. I love new Japan pro wrestling. I love talking about new Japan pro wrestling. We, we, uh, we get to talk about it a little bit on brace for impact with our, uh... so we started recently um, a segment on the show called the wrestling world news. And so we kind of like, uh, inst- you know, because there's only so much impact news to talk about. So we try to capture everything else on that segment. So I get super excited when I get to talk about New Japan. And New Japan and Impact, I mean, they're like best buds these days. Um, yeah. And which, uh, you know, New Japan is on access right after Impact every week. And they're getting ready to do a, a joint show uh, coming up later this month, man. I'm super excited about it. There's been a lot of these uh, shows that we just had forbidden. We had forbidden door last year. We have historic crossover with stardom and now new Japan is going to be working on a, they've always worked with impact. There were always uh, crossovers and things, but a show like this is something really different. It's really exciting. And what's the most fun about this one, Mike, I think for both rosters is just the idea of having these fresh matchups. We're really seeing some pairings that we haven't seen before. And uh, I know I'm anxious to watch it from the impact side of it. I mean, what's, the feeling is there is there this feeling that oh this is this is uh really cool because we're seeing these new uh new matches and and it, it does it have a sense of freshness to it for you guys yeah yeah it, it really just adds an extra layer of excitement to the promotion um because they I, i'll say right now the product is a little bit cold this year mm. since uh since they're hard to kill pay-per-view in january it was a really good show by the way but the TVs coming out of that show, and then their last uh, their last premium live event that they had was a bit cold. So to uh, to see this influx of New Japan talent, like we just saw Kenta 
on uh, on Impact, uh, not this past week, but the week before. Or no, it was actually just just last week. Uh, we just got to see Kenta. We got to see him at the last pay per view. So bringing those guys over is is really cool. We get a lot of fresh matchups. Um, I would say that this is more. You know, we'll get into the card in a little bit, but it looks more like a New Japan Strong crossover, and as opposed to a New Japan proper crossover if i if i could say that but um we did just get and i'm sure jeremy's going to talk about it in a little bit but we did just get and i'm pretty excited about this um <laughs> a very very likely scenario of one of the the absolute top stars of new japan proper coming over and uh looking forward to that yeah we'll get to it of course uh what what one of the things you're referring to and we'll lead up to it as we get uh through these matches right here but when we did the show here last week, last Tuesday, we talked about Will Ospreay may have injured his shoulder in the match with Mark Davis. That match had just happened uh, very recently. It was either in that morning or the morning before the last show. We have found out that he did indeed injure himself and had to be uh, taken out of the New Japan Cup, and he's flown home since then, actually. He stayed around for the Mark Davis evil match that we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, then he flew home right now, as it stands, as I'm sitting here talking, uh, the injury is not something that needs surgery. So far, it doesn't require surgery. Looks like it is a rest type of injury. But he was removed from the New Japan Cup. They put Mark Davis in in his place, which led to some very interesting things And during the, the tournament itself. It also leaves Speedball Mike Bailey without uh, an opponent for uh, this multiverse show. And uh, yeah, it does look as though there were hints, nothing officially <laughs> announced, but they wouldn't have said it if they weren't going to announce it, would they have, uh, of, of a very, very capable <clears throat> replacement and one that's pretty exciting right there. So we'll get into so, that. So I will tell you that in our Discord, we got a pretty hot scoop that hmm. Will Ospreay is going to see his doctors in the UK before any timeline decision. Yeah, It seems like the contingency plan that we have on our plate is in fact what's happening. So no one is really aware of anything, but <clears throat> doctors visit, then we will know the capital collision could be up in the air as well. Well, mm. I just got this from PW Insider. Ooh. Somebody from my, uh, my, my Brace for Impact chat just sent this to me. Um, Jeremy, do you want to hit the button already? Or sure. Want... Go Let's ahead, hit, hit the button. it, brother. Let's find it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's so good. When you got Brace for Impact on here, homies. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so Energy. This is from, P this is from PW Insider. Will Ospreay's shoulder injury is more severe than originally no. expected. No. We are, we are told that New Japan is removing him from WrestleCon and New Japan uh, versus Impact Wrestling in Los Angeles. He will also be pulled from the next New Japan tour. Osprey Capital will not collision. be in Los. Yeah, Osprey will not be in Los Angeles. We are told. Hiroshi, Ta oh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Speedball <gasps> Bailey has not been officially announced, but that is the plan for Multiverse United. Go ahead, Jeremy. Again? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just you. you, 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 you wanted to hit your graphic? You could. No, no he'll that do it again. Oh, no, so we're going from this, my friends. We're yeah. going from this. <laughs> the spinning circle. Yeah. No, there we go. All right. Yes. Yes. We have That's, the Tanahashi uh... versus Speedball. <laughs> Top of the card. This has got to be the main event, right? I, you know, I don't see how this. I, I know that they, you know, people might want the Impact World Title to be the main event, but I don't see a bigger match, in my opinion, than Tanahashi and Speedball. And that might be me just romanticizing my love for Tanahashi and his beautiful hair. Um, 
but I, I don't think Kushida has a hope in hell of winning that title, especially because they already, they already sold tickets for Macklin versus Alexander at rebellion next month. So this is more of a, <laughs> you know, a speed bump. So I'd like to see speed ball in the main event against uh, Tanahashi here. That, that would be Mike Gilbert's pick for the main event anyway. Fair enough. Let me ask you this here, Mike, uh, as far as the way that impact is going in the storylines there, obviously Will Ospreay is a very different opponent than Tanahashi in terms of working the match. Both are some of the best wrestlers in the world, but for the story they're telling with Mike Bailey and what you expected to see out of the Osprey match, could you talk to us about what you thought you were going to see in that match? And then does the substitution of Tanahashi change what you think that story is or can they just slide tanahashi in and tell the same story they wanted to tell with bailey what are your thoughts on that well speedball bailey is one of the best underdog baby faces that's out there and that was the role he was going to be playing uh with will osprey will osprey was probably you know he's the bigger stronger guy um and he would more likely have been a bully in that match now tanahashi is gonna is gonna be in with the uh, as a legendary figure right um where speedball would probably have more reverence for him i don't see tanahashi bullying speedball around so it's going to change the dynamic completely honestly when i first heard that tanahashi was going to be on multiverse i i would not book tanahashi versus speedball because i just don't like the dynamic there you got the underneath babyface and speedball and you got the all-time legend in tanahashi i just don't think the story works there i'd much rather see tanahashi face Someone like uh, I know Moose is already booked, but somebody like Moose or somebody like Eddie Edwards, like a a, a, a vicious villain that he could beat. Um, right now, they're going to be putting Tanahashi in a position to where they're just going to be displaying really cool moves and kickouts and just having a good match, and that's awesome. That's you know, I mean, you get a lot of that over WrestleMania weekend. That's what WrestleMania weekend's built on. But story wise, I personally was looking more. Um, I was more interested in the story with Will Ospreay versus Mike Bailey than I am with Tanahashi. But the fact that I get to see Tanahashi on, on Impact again is is a win for me. So I, I don't really think there's a bad way you can go. So it's interesting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, with Tanahashi, you can still put him in the main event in the United States. But in New Japan, he is not really in the main event so much anymore. He's usually like the upper mid card of of, of whatever show or an opening tag if could this lead to more opportunities for tanahashi in impact is there room for him to have a a small run in there if he could spend more time in the united states during say the best of the super juniors all the time before dominion do you see an opportunity or a window for impact for anything like that if if Tanahashi wants to come into Impact and there's no room, they will make room. <laughs> they will clear the way for Tanahashi. Um, and uh, honestly, if like they said, hey, you guys get Tanahashi for six months, Tanahashi's the world champion. That okay. I mean, like that's what you, you build up to Josh versus Tanahashi. Tanahashi takes the title and then they work their way back to him giving it back to Josh or dropping it to a heel for Josh to then overcome. Something like that. But uh, eventually Josh will have to get his win back. Um but that that's what you do if 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 Tanahashi's coming in impact. I think this is just them doing the pay-per-view a solid right. by putting somebody in um that has a passport and a visa and ready to go yeah. um that could come in and have a really good match with anybody in the world on very short notice, and that's Tanahashi. He is team New Japan, he's a complete pro, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. I think that's why we're getting him uh getting him on this show. 
We have some worries about his knee sometimes. We call it good Tana Nike and bad Tana Nike. <laughs> but I think on a showcase, uh, a showcase show with this, him being a singles main event act, we're gonna get we're gonna get the high five flow, uh, good effort from Tanahashi you know, in, in that position. I, I'm I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he always works hard with that stuff. And the thing, it is interesting though that you mentioned that Will is outstanding as it turns out as the bully heel type. He's done that with uh, what was it Nick Wayne? He's done that in England with a couple of guys where Michael he's really Oku. just oh yeah yeah Michael yeah. and just really kind of a, a just a, a jerk oppressive mm-hmm. uh, type of uh, heel there. And that would have been very interesting. Maybe down the road we can get Bailey in that. And like you said, I think this turns into. Uh, from a story match into a work rate match. Uh, and so, but mm-hmm. either way, I suppose we're going to see something pretty good there too. So hopefully yeah, we get a, a good knee day from Tanahashi, like you mentioned. So do we want to just run through the card? How do we want to yeah, do this? I'll, I'll run down, I'll run do down from the top of the card. Uh, yeah. What seems like the, uh, the top card from here on out. Let's do it. There you go. That'd and, be a uh, banger. Yeah, uh-huh. and you know they've been building to this for a while. We've seen hints of it. They they put a little bit of it in uh, San Jose there mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it it looks terrific. They have been doing their previews, and uh, like you said, Kashino is not going to win this thing, but little doubt that this will be a heck of a good uh, wrestling match to watch here. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they what they do with it, uh, especially after some of the teases they've given us. This feels. And I, I don't know why it feels like this, but this feels like a main event, like NXT level match. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're going to get a solid match out of both of these guys. They will go hard knowing that they are in a title match at the top of the card. And I don't remember the last time I've heard Josh Alexander have a bad match. Because uh, has been on a roll since he came back from hand, foot and mouth disease uh, back in October. And this seems like a culmination of like some simmering storylines that we've had. And uh, I'm just really excited to see what we got out of it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see this too. Again, you know, Jeremy touched on it perfectly. Josh Alexander hasn't had a bad match in forever. Um, every world title match that he's had since he's been the champion has been good to great. He is the most consistently great performer in the company. There's a reason why he is the world champion. And, you know, Impact has done a good job of making him kind of like their Bret Hart. In the sense that, like he is the he is the constant, he is the the steadying force in this company, and if you got Josh Alexander at the top of the card, you know at least it's going you're you're going to at least have at least one great match on the show when his name is attached to it. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, Kushida ain't winning this match, but um, I think it's going to be awesome. All right, Stephen, anything else to add? No, like I said, I'm just looking forward to it. I really liked uh, the little bits that I've seen there in the preview. So uh, anxious to see it. Kushida is always good in these situations. So uh, it's going to be terrific. Move on to this one. We've got the four-way women's match with what we thought was going to be the debut of Miyu Yamashita. <laughs> yeah. But Mike, can you explain more about why that's not the case? No, uh, Miyu Yamashita, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, if I'm not, correct me, please. But I thought it was a Yamashita. I got um, it wrong, probably. The I, the I, a lot of time is silent. Yeah, so I right. lived in Japan for two years. So a lot of times the, the vowels are silent uh, in when they're placed certain ways. But um, yeah, Miyu Yamashita, um, she is going to be making her debut this weekend against Killer Kelly at Sacrifice uh, in Impact. So they, they decided to go ahead and spoil that debut and uh, put it on their premium live event. But hey, look, more Yamashita, the better, right? I mean, 
you know, uh, my our friend Scott E. Wrestling from uh, Fight Game Media um, <laughs> gave me um, gave me some advice here and said you need to go check her out. And uh, I I went uh, down a little bit of a rabbit hole, and she is badass. And I'm looking forward to her having some matches here in Impact. Do you sense a title change coming out of this one, Mike? No, no, because I I still think that Mickey James versus Mercedes Monet is on the horizon. When that happens, when they can make that deal, and which promotion uh, uh, is beyond me, I I think that um, you know Mercedes talked about it again, said she wanted to retire Mickey James. Mm-hmm. Um, Mickey works works here for Impact. I think they can get a deal done, and uh, that's obviously the biggest possible match that Impact could put together right now is Mickey versus Mercedes. I think she keeps the title. All right. What's next, Jeremy? All right. Let's get to yeah. Let's do this one. Oh, see, now this one, this one does it for me. This one I'm looking forward to. We have two just insanely strong human beings. I actually saw Moose in person a couple of several times, actually, when he was working for Wrestle Circus, a little short lived company that was like a little Texas PWG here in uh, in Austin. Uh, They had some great cards and Moose came in for some of those shows and uh, superhuman strength on this dude and look who he's in there with jeff cobb so oh, yeah. i just expect a ton of uh, really really fun <laughs> power moves power battles that type of thing both these guys know how to do these kinds of matches and uh they get brought in as special attractions to meet other guys like this you know so mm-hmm. uh, so uh you know, there are other guys out in wrestling like that. They're just these big powerhouses and they tend to get matched up against each other. They know how to do this. Uh, I think this one's going to be terrific, but it's just going to be a spectacle, really. Uh, so, uh, I, but I'm fired up. Let's do it. So, one of the things about this match that I've been curious about, Battle of the Valley, was Cobb still has a United States Championship challenge out to Kenny Omega. And it was just revealed that Cobb plans to be at Dynamite the mm-hmm. night before to confront Kenny Omega for this title. Kenny Omega has a couple of friends in the Los Angeles area that he could easily just fly out <clears> and stay <throat> with and perhaps <laughs> pop in to this show uh, at some point to continue this feud. And an unannounced Kenny Omega uh, confrontation with Jeff Cobb could be exactly what New Japan needs to get a shot in the arm to continue these Capital Collision shows and the uh, the show in Philadelphia as well. So I'm looking at Jeff Cobb winning this match, and I think yeah. it's a stepping stone to uh, the Kenny Omega feud that they've been heavily teasing all throughout the New Japan Cup. We'll see about the Kenny thing. The only thing I wonder about that is, are they going to have Kenny come out on an Impact show when that match, Cobb versus Omega, might end up on an AEW pay-per-view for <clears> Hidden <throat> Door, too? That's what I'm wondering. So just they're, how, they're just how, how much does this go? Yeah, they're all so. Everybody, Yeah, buddies. yeah. I mean, like Omega's a former Impact, Impact world champion cha- right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Former Impact champion, former IWGP champion, current U.S. champion. Um, uh, do I expect Kenny Omega to show up on the show to work an angle with Cobb? No. I, I don't, but could, but would it be out of the realm of possibility? If you had told me the night before Kenny Omega showed up on Impact, if that was even remotely possible, I'd have called you crazy, right? <laughs> so crazy things have ha- crazier things have happened. Kenny Omega was the Impact champion for a long time, and he worked both shows. So, um, and you know what? Guess who else he has unfinished business with? Josh Alexander. I never got that damn match, and I'm still pissed about it. So. <laughs> 
Um, I'd like to see I'd like to see them have a confrontation because he dropped the title to Christian before we had a chance to get that match. But no, I, I agree with you, Jeremy. I, I think that um, Jeff Cobb takes the the dub here. Um, you know, last year when uh, Moose went out to LA, or no, was it two years ago? Whenever I saw Moose in LA for uh, New Japan's first ever big time strong show, um, Moose wrestled uh, Ishii, and it was incredible. <laughs> One of the great match. That, that was probably the best match of the night, honestly. On a match. On a night that had several other big name stars, I thought Moose and Ishii stole the show. He also had another really good match later that year with Juice Robinson that I thought was a very underrated match. So Moose shows up big for these uh, performances in New Japan, and uh, he's going to be in there with one of the best in Jeff Cobb. Moose isn't really doing much right now with Impact. He's kind of like in a holding pattern, um, as the, you know he he was the champion for a while, and then he's kind of gone up and down, up and down. Right now, he's in a down pattern. I see I see them putting uh, Jeff Cobb over, especially with Kenny Omega on the horizon. So this one seems to be an exclusively New Japan match, but we're going to go ahead and talk about it. Kenta versus Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> I'm not going to complain that we're getting this match. No. But uh, it is somewhat of a stretch to call this an impact in New Japan match. I'm just going to throw that <laughs> out there. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fun to watch. They, they've been clashing a lot during the New Japan Cup tour. So, I, I you know, this one is going to be one that I, I think Kenda's probably going to win it. I don't think they're going to put the strong title on Minoru Suzuki, especially when he's a never-open-weight six-man champion and he's got things to do. Uh, we saw an angle about that this morning, as a matter of fact. So I expect a retention here by Kenta, but you know it'll be hard-hitting and it'll be a fierce uh, battle right there. Suzuki's going to do Suzuki things like firing, you know, just walking through some of Kenta's offense, The some of the Bushido contests that they like to have, the fighting spirit contest where it's just you hit me, I hit you in the middle of the ring. And uh, you're going to get a lot of that, and the crowd's probably going to absolutely love it. But I, I think we're going to get a title retention here from Kenta and probably something pretty entertaining out of it. Yeah. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, no, I, I think Kenta retains. I think this is going to be a hell of a match. Um, anytime you can get Suzuki on the show, uh, you, you take that opportunity. So I, I honestly was hoping we would get uh, Suzuki versus Steve Macklin because Steve Macklin – is getting ready to headline the next Impact pay-per-view, and I thought that would be a good showcase for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, uh, this I think this is awesome. What are your thoughts on this question here from Brad? Uh, Mike, uh, for <clears throat> the folks that are listening in uh, later, he has, could you see Moose heading to NJPW for something like a G1? Are there any? And if not Moose, if the answer is no, maybe it's yes. If it's not, are there any Impact guys you could see maybe doing best of the Super Juniors? We don't have a lineup yet. Any G1 guys? Who would you like well, to see? Who do you think might be? Well, best of the Super Juniors, you know, last year they had um, Ace Austin in the best of the Super Juniors, and he's very, very well. Great. Um, he's the tag champion right now. Um, they're they're kind of cooling off Speedball. I could see Speedball going over. Speedball is actually working the uh, the collision shows coming up too. So uh, I think they really like Speedball, and as they as they should. As far as Moose going over for the G one, uh, you know, like I said, crazier things have happened. I think that he would do great over there. I've had debates with people who don't think Moose is very good. I don't think that they're actually looking hard enough. I think Moose is fantastic. Moose is an incredible worker. He's a, one of the best athletic big men that there are. Um, so I I think that he would do great over there. And, you know, even if he went 50-50 in the G1, I think just having him over there, he could hold his own with anybody in that company. So one of the takeaways that I listened to on Brace for Impact is that New Japan Pro Wrestling does not see Josh Alexander at that level of like the main roster, but he is a guy that I would like to see in the G1. I'd also Mm -hmm. like to see Steve Macklin 
in the G1. I think those yep. are both two uh, top candidates out of uh, out of Impact Wrestling that would uh, perform very well and sustain performance through the grueling ten matches that they had, nine matches that they have to do. Uh, as for like the Super Juniors, put. Chris Bay in one bracket, put Ace Austin in the other bracket, and have uh, the the Bolt Club juniors just run through both sides of the bracket and have dominant performances. Because the ABC connection in Impact, that tag team, is a really impressive combination of folks in the Bolt Club. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> okay, what's the next match? All right. Let's, uh... Speaking of Bullet Club, <coughs> here they are. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so there's so there's Austin Bay. We have Aussie Open. We just uh, they've just had a huge week over there in Japan. The TMDK, this version of it, as you can see, there being haste. Uh, Mikey Nichols not part of this, but bad dude Tito is, and he's terrific. And then Motor City Machine Guns. Not a whole lot can go wrong with this one. This is uh, these are some really great tag teams, and I think it's just going to be a. Uh, one of those full speed ahead, everyone's going to get their stuff in. And I don't mean that in a derogatory term. I think these four teams especially are going to find ways to really weave what they do best within and around one another. I think this has the potential to be the match of the night if they really hit on all cylinders. And uh, But there's just so much talent in that ring. This is going to be such a great match. <laughs> yeah. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, there's uh, there's no way this can't. Okay. There's no way this can be a letdown. This is yeah. just gonna be awesome all the way. Yeah. Maybe Bad Dude Tito takes the pin because Aussie Open is on fire and they have uh, a likely uh, match for the IWGP Tag Titles. Uh, Motor City Machine Guns. You know, there's still some meat on the bone for their feud between the Bullet Club. So between Tito and Shane Hayes to kind of kind of see the Mighty Don't Kneel, maybe. Uh, might be looking at the might be looking at the light tonight. <laughs> yeah, and um, TMDK is actually challenging Bullet Club uh, this Friday night on Sacrifice too. Oh. So it's this this same version. Yeah, it's um, Haste and that bad dude Tito. I was hoping that Mikey Nichols would be there, but um, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not that familiar with bad dude Tito. He's but, great. Um, I, I, that's what I hear. So um, I hear you. I hear you guys talk about how great he is. So. I, I do trust your opinions. And when my friends and colleagues tell me that somebody's great, even though I haven't seen them, I, I, I give them that respect. And I, I look forward to seeing a guy that I haven't seen before. I don't get all up in arms about somebody I've never heard of, by the way. <laughs> well, what about the build, Mike? What the build? Um, <laughs> this has been the week of the build on the uh, internet wrestling uh, things. Uh, we're we're going to have a Viking funeral at this point, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> a Vikango funeral? Uh, the, uh, that, was a, the, that was a subtweet on a podcast, by the way. Love the it. Lord almighty. But the, uh, yeah, no, Bad Dude Tito accompanied Filthy Tom Lawler on the G1 tour last year to give Lawler someone to team with on the undercard and to take falls, to be honest, because, of course, uh, Ghetto's thing is you know, when you're in one of these terms, you don't get pinned. And so Dito, Tito came in to kind of fill that role. Bro, can read he, Jonah, Jonah. He was with Jonah. Sorry. Sorry. Pardon me. <laughs> Filthy, long time. Filthy had Royce Isaacs with him. Yeah, Royce Isaacs. Uh, yeah. Jonah yeah. But those two guys. But those, and that, yeah. yeah. Royce Isaacs and Bad Dude Tito came over to assist with that role right there. And uh, Tito really did excel there. But you're absolutely right. It was Jonah. Pardon me, Jeremy. Uh, but yeah. And, but he was he excelled in that role and got over pretty good considering really he was just doing preview tags on undercards and that those really aren't part of the G1 mix so much. Uh, still managed to get some decent crowd reactions when they weren't even always allowed to react. So I, I think you're going to enjoy what you see. All right. So we got, uh, we got the wild matches coming up. 
We got the yeah. X Grammy, <clears throat> the X Division Ooh. Championship. Yeah, uh, Rocky. Rocky. I don't even know where different to start these with this days. One, guys. Rocky <laughs> looks a little different these days. He lost his hair for his hair match to uh, Volador last week, so uh, we're gonna get a bald Rocky. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's look at this one. We've got Clark Connors, Kevin Knight, Rich. Uh, there again, this is gonna be an air show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just gonna be a just a Hot crazy match. a sprint. Like this is this is an old school like TNA match from like 2006, right? Sure. Which is which is funny because you got Frankie Kazarian and Rocky Romero who were in fact in TNA X Division matches back in 06. So, uh, and they're still very good, by the way. So yeah, I, I think um, I don't really see any title changes happening on this pay per view because I'm going with Miguel here. But um, uh, you know who I have seen a lot of lately because he's been working a lot of Impact shows is Kevin Knight. And that dude is incredible. Like the New Japan, it really has something with this guy. He is going to be a major star one day. I love him. He uh, a switch flipped with him at the Super Tag League, the Super Junior Tag League, with him and Kushida. Because when he started that tournament, he was good, and when he ended that tournament, he he was looking great. And I. And there was just a point in there where the switch flipping, you'd have to go back and watch all the matches. But I don't know. Spending the time with Kushida, even though Kushida got flipped out of the four-way for Master Wado, Master Wado benefited from it, and Kevin Knight immensely benefited from it because he got all of that time with Kushida. And uh, he he had a glow-up as a result. I don't really know how else to say it other than, like, the massive, like, just being in the infrastructure with Kushida for all that time just unlocked what was already great about him. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anything else? Let's go to the weird one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. This is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I made some heads or tails out of this. And on either side, there are existing or maybe something to come kind of beat. So you got... Eddie Edwards and PCO have beef. You got Fred mm-hmm. Rosser and Filthy Tom Lawler have beef. Coughlin yeah. and J.R. Kratos have beef. And maybe Callahan and Henry end up having beef as a result out of it. <laughs> they, That's they're, basically they're both, the best that I have out of it. Yeah. No, Henry and Callahan are both baby faces. <laughs> so, like, Henry has no business being on that team with Edwards. Like he's the outlier, right? Yeah. Like the babyface team with Rosser, Coughlin, uh, Callahan, and PCO makes sense, right? Um, yes. But the Kratos team, like Hendry, Hendry's the outlier. If they threw somebody else in there other than Hendry, it actually wouldn't be that crazy. Like if it was Kenny King, you know right. what I mean? Like it would actually make a little bit of sense. But I think they just wanted to get Hendry on the show. So this is one of those like, hey, let's throw some poop on the wall and see if people <laughs> like it. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, I, I when I saw this match, I was just like, "What are we doing?" Like, I, and it's hard to complain about the show, right? Like, it's hard. Like, this is a very minor complaint, but like, it just doesn't make any logical sense that these people would be paired up. It's a match. It is a match, yeah. and it is the last match that we are talking <laughs> about today because it is just a match. <laughs> Oh, Brad, Brad has a good comment here. Yeah. Here's yeah. Filthy he Tom says, uh, maybe Filthy Tom said his name. <laughs> so Henry ended up on that team. <clears throat> that is you know what? If they, if they do that, hey, if they do that vignette, okay, I'm in. You got me. He just said, say his name. And then Joe Henry appeared because he believes in Joe Henry. Like, that's all I need. That's a good story. Got yeah. me in. It could play out in the next couple of days of programming. <laughs> yeah. uh, New Japan like to let their stuff play out naturally as if it's like, 
happening in real time. So who knows? Maybe maybe on the two shows that we got on Friday and Saturday, something with Henry plays out that makes it so we understand why he's on this team. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully. Really <laughs> I'm trying to make I'm trying to make uh, apple juice out of this out of a rotten apple. <laughs> All right. Uh Mike, anything any other thoughts about the show? Anything to add? Anything no, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, I just don't know when that's going to be because I will be on vacation. So I'm going to be stepping out of the BFI world for a couple weeks, and Jeremy is graciously going to step in for me next week and uh, and review the show with uh, Scott Edwards and uh, JD. By God, Oliva, my uh, my tag team partner there on BFI. So, um, but I I'll try to to check it out at some point that weekend. But uh, fight game media I'm, synergy. That's right. We all hey, when one person can't make it, somebody else just steps right up. So. Um, it should be should be a good time, man. And I'm really excited that they were able to put all this together. All right. All right. Uh, so uh, you you had the new show. Plug it again and your regular show, and uh, yeah. we'll get you on your way. Yeah. So uh, I host Brace for Impact right here on the Fight Game Media Network. It comes out uh, every Friday morning. You can catch it on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and uh, patreon.com slash fightgamemedia. And we also do a new segment called the Wrestling World News. Um, we've been putting that up. It's on the Patreon as well. It's attached to our BFI brand. Uh, but we've been putting it up as its own kind of deal on um on youtube jeremy's been clipping that for us and getting that up there so we're trying something new um it's actually doing pretty decent numbers i would say and so i think we're gonna go ahead we might try to run with that coming up this april and maybe do like kind of a spin-off show um because look jd and i love impact and we like talking <laughs> about impact but we get jealous that everybody else gets to talk about all the cool topics i want to talk about vince mcmahon's bullshit i want to talk about you know aew third show i want to talk about cm punk's drama like that i'm jealous like there's nothing really happening like that at impact impact believe it or not is probably the most stable company out there because they're owned by their own network and they're just kind of cheap programming for the network and they have triple the audience of the next best show on that network so they're not going anywhere and they have no drama so Bro, why do you uh, think gets... we like new japan there's barely right. drama on that end <laughs> i know it's, it's like i want to talk about some of these cool things so uh jd and i started up the wrestling world news with mike and jd so uh we're, everybody please uh, go check that out on youtube and uh, support I really don't have any skin on the game, but I have uh, <laughs> I, I have been paying attention to it. And frankly, JD and Mike, with their punditry, is probably one of the more entertaining duos out there to be talking about the <laughs> wrestling diaspora. So that is my that is my thumbs up. Check out the Wrestling World News Break for Impact, Mike Gilbert. Thank you again for joining us, and I'm going to wish you well. Take Thanks, care. guys. Take care. Take care, Mike. Thank you. All right. Woo! Very cool. I'm really glad we had Mike on here to talk about some of that stuff and let us know not only about the the impact guys, but how the New Japan people will weave in and out with mm -hmm. them. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting show. Like I said, that's that's going to be a that's going to be a fun one to take a look at. Uh, so, speaking uh, of anything, interesting, <laughs> anything to talk about this week? Uh, boy, Holy dude. <laughs> So we're going to go into these uh, shows here. Uh, there are only going to be a couple of small notes on uh, the undercards. We're mostly going to focus on the tournament matches. That sound good to you, Jeremy? Yeah, we just need to get through this. <laughs> so we mentioned uh, we'll, we'll start with the, the first show of the week. We're going to move through it since it's a tournament, and you know, we can't really go backwards. It's awkward uh, with the way a tournament works. So uh, on the 15th, they had 1,298 people in Okayama. Attendance good all week, by the way. This uh, New Japan Cup seems to have captured the 
fans interest quite a bit because the the, the seats were filled and uh, most of the undercard preview tags uh, preview tags for the various subplots that are coming through here and we're seeing uh, things uh, well we'll get into them as we come across mm-hmm. them but uh, there's uh, you know the we're talking about Aaron Hanare and Shingo Takagi uh, that one we made itself known last week when Hanare beat Shingo, pinned him twice, actually, uh, over the course of the early rounds. So they were butting heads. You saw things like Chase Owens and Ishii getting into each other's uh, faces on undercard matches. So there's a few other things out there that we'll get to. But uh, in Okiyama, we were still in the uh, second round at that point, and we saw David Finlay Jr. and the great Okan. And, uh, you know, because we know that things have progressed since then, we won't spend a ton of time on these, but uh, pretty good match. For me, Jeremy, this whole more aggressive David Finlay, uh, his ring style is really working for me. And I think he's doing it well. I think his uh, heel attitude, that screw you attitude he has toward even his own teammates, I find interesting. It's something that we haven't uh, seen in this form uh, before and uh, he he looks terrific. We know he's a terrific wrestler, and it was interesting what Kevin Kelly mentioned that Jushin Thunder Liger went to him when he was in the dojo and said, "I was scared of your dad, but you make me laugh because he's the he was the class clown." Mm-hmm. Drawing on that, as someone who's bitter about not being taken seriously in the past, mm-hmm. and going full on. 180 degrees the other direction and just a very cruel asshole even to his own teammates i think is is a nice twist to this and finlay has stepped up uh he beat uh a great okan with the trash panda move that he has turned into a real nice finisher and he can hit it from a lot of different directions we mm-hmm. saw that too so good effort and just uh 13 minutes and seven seconds of of good wrestling here that got finley where he needed to be which was into that uh the quarterfinals the one thing I noticed about this, and uh, it would be a trend I'd start to see, is that a lot of the Bullet Club leaders in the past were solid counter-based wrestlers. And Finley isn't a counter-based wrestler. He's right. a wrestler that waits for you to make a mistake, and then he can- and then he capitalizes on it, which is a very subtle difference because he's more of a brute than he is like a psychologist in the ring. And mm-hmm. that's also playing out with his interactions with the rest of Bullet Club because he's trying to use brute force to get what he wants. There you have it. Up next after that was the main event, which was Shoto Amino and Zack Sabre Jr. This one went just as we kind of suspected it would, didn't we, Jeremy? We mm-hmm. we had a feeling that this was a bit of a setup for Shoto to get a shot at the television title down the road. So the first five minutes of this was Zach putting on a clinic of putting a guy's wrestling ability over. He worked very hard to make sure that Shota looked like he wrestled on his level. Then uh, Zach began to pick up his offense. Uh, Shota had a nice arm ringer off the apron. He get, They were both on the outside. He get, had an arm ringer, dropped down to the floor. Zach took a front bump, and that was the excuse for Shota to begin working on the shoulder, thus setting up for the STF eventually. Uh, they put put in a couple of Easter – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I was, I was one of the things I thought you were done talking about the match. Could keep going, and then I'll, I'll add it to the end. <laughs> okay, pardon me. I'll, I'll make it quick there. Uh, so there was, uh, he shoved his father, Red Shoes, out of the way a couple of times, showing a little bit of uh, pluck there. And uh, yeah, it was just a series of uh, it, it built like a normal New Japan match does. It was twenty six minutes and twelve seconds. It was a long one, 
And, uh, but it was very entertaining. I didn't feel like it went that long. I uh, ended up being uh, counter after counter after counter, uh, backslide. Uh, he managed to uh, get a backslide on Zach, roll, have Zach roll through it into a Death Rider for the pin. Crowd was chanting his name. They were into him, uh, sets up the TV title match and good work by all. Go ahead, Barton. The psychology of this match is that Shota could wear Zach down over a period of time. But the challenge that Shota is going to have is with a 15-minute time limit. So the baked-in advantage that Zack Sabre has is that he can last the barrage that Shota has, but you've also given Shota the image that he can beat a title holder of some type, way, shape, or form, which is part of his journey as kind of think the New Japan Cup was his, his coming out party, even though he's been around and been given uh, opportunities against Osprey and Naito and, and such. This really felt like him putting his skills up against the rest of the New Japan roster. Be interesting to see what they do with that match, that TV title match. It has to be tempting a little bit to do the first 15-minute draw in a TV title match there. On the other hand, uh, they might just want to put a belt around Shota's waist and and get him to a ne- another level here and Zach might be the guy to do it. So I'm curious. I don't to see rule which way anything out. Really yeah. You can't rule either one of those things out. I, I don't. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Zach might win, but boy, that you, it seems like Shota loses all of his big matches. It's time for him to win a big match to me, or I, at least not, at least not lose it. My, I think the best neck milestone for Shota Umino is having like a defining G1 win of some type way, shape mm-hmm. or form. Uh, and he, he's going to be in the mix until then, but that feels right to me. Just as like G1 just being the next kind of major stepping stone of his arrival. It'll be about a year into him being on the roster, and uh, he, he's going to be in the mix all throughout, all throughout it, but, you know, we're, like I mentioned in the multiverse preview, we're getting into the best of the Super Juniors. Then you're getting into Dominion, so all of a sudden we, we're getting into this period of the, uh, the new Japan roster that if he doesn't win a title right away, he, he not a whole lot of opportunities for him to step up and see the brass ring until then. Yeah. As far as the G one goes, he owes Tanahashi one for that tag team match too, <laughs> that we saw in this tour. So moving on to uh, the next night, which is Corican hall a packed one, 1351 folks in Corican there on St. Patrick's day, which is not a big holiday in Japan. Nevertheless, uh, they have the matches there. And uh, the only thing on the undercard I wanted to really mention, if you have anything, by all means, uh, the fifth match, uh, which was Bullet Club, Chase Owens, David Finlay, Phantasmo, and Kenta facing Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, Gren Narita, so the six-man tag champs, and Shota. Shota was in that uh, spot. And uh, Kevin Kelly made an interesting point. He said that Ghetto has changed as well and is approaching each of his bullet club leaders differently well not bullet club leaders but he was the, the chaos leader kazuchika okada he was a tradi- more traditional manager you know when he before he turned on just you know mm-hmm. just pumping his guy up my guy's the greatest he's going to make it rain he's the leader and he was more fatherly with jay white you know like very encouraging let's go jay almost deferential but but like a fatherly figure to him not and he and i don't mean deferential like he was uh subservient to Jay, but it was just more of a reassuring hand that he used with Jay White in an interesting way. And here he's more aggressive. He's yelling, you know, go get him. He sounds more like a 
a drill instructor type of uh, approach with David Finlay. I thought that was interesting and a very good point. Ghetto is smart enough to change his act as well as he moves through these things. Well, I mean, and it works it, for the Finley character. Finley really interesting. We're going to touch on him later, but I think there is a tacit admission that even though they have put him into this position, the audience may not accept him right away. And mm. they are, they're playing into that with uh, the rest of the bullet club. So it's an interesting little meta storyline and we'll touch on that later. This is where they set up the Suzuki Kenta match that we just talked about earlier. Also Suzuki kicked out of the double stomp from Kenta and got a gotch style pile driver pinned Kenta. And so that set up the strong title match. And then afterwards in the backstage comment and the, toward the ring, the rest of the bullet club chase, Phantasmo and Kenta were cranky with Finlay for not helping Kenta after he took that pile driver, just kind of left him laying there. And in the back, even Chase Owens on backstage comments said, yeah, good point. When El Phantasmo pointed that out, added a little bit of a layer that maybe Phantasmo has allies within the bullet club thinking, I don't know about this Finlay guy. I don't know. I think, I don't know if he's in it for the group feels a little bit more like he's in it for himself and himself only. And uh, that is a story that we're going to see roll on uh, with those guys. But I thought it was an interesting uh, little thing there that Kenta, Owens, and Phantasmo stayed allied. They did not have any arguments. They did not have any clashes. And even they were kind of looking crossways at Finlay. We know Phantasmo's out on David Finlay so far, unless there's a, an Uso twist uh, coming. But uh, I did find that interesting that those other two were a little bit like, hey, yeah, you just left him laying there. I feel like the only true statement that I can give you right now that feels like authentic, wherever Ghetto goes, so goes Bullet Club. <laughs> Fair enough. But are those guys going to be part of it? Who's going to be a Bullet Club? Up? We don't know. Yeah. But wherever Ghetto goes, so goes Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah, certainly. So, yeah. And and it, it added a lot. Like I predicted officially last week that Phantasma was doing the Uso thing. Like he was going to tease that he was leaving, but he didn't. This whole thing makes me think about that a little bit harder as to whether or not maybe they've just decided Bullet Club is just too bloated right now and they need to move some of these guys out and making Phantasmo, Chase, and Kenta their own alliance. Uh, or, or there could be just twists and turns guys. among that. Yeah, yeah just three guys. <laughs> On to the tournament matches. Let's We're into it. the quarterfinals now. Mark Davis and Evil. Now, the this, baby face of the tournament. <laughs> This was a good time. So Will was removed from the tournament, replaced with Mark Davis, the guy he beat in the previous round. So they just said, well, Mark will will take the spot since he was the guy that lost to Will. So they go into this one, and this looks like a lumberjack match at the beginning. All of the United Empire is out there. All of House of Torture is out there. Evil gets on the microphone and uh, calls Davis a fucking loser in English uh, for having all of his <laughs> friends out there. And, just the heel irony there. He's got all of his buddies of the House of Torture standing next to him as he calls him a loser for having his buddies out. Uh, Davis responds to that, not with words, but by hitting a huge tope suicida on Evil and sending him flying into the barricades. Much appreciated. Uh, both groups fought early on and just battled out on the outside and were ejected from ringside. Get out of here. Davis then goes into cell mode. And uh, we had the inevitable ref bump. Uh, you could uh, set your watch by these things. That led to a low blow. You can set your watch by that also. <laughs> and uh, just in case your watch is still broken, Dick Togo in with the Garrett choking. Yes. Okay. So we've got a check mark, check mark, check mark. 
You just know well, you're we, getting closer to the end of the, sh- the match. Okay. Yeah, that's that's true. It's it's the Okada drop kick of the House of Torture Act is the uh, the ref bump and the low blow. Uh, Will comes out with his arm in a sling, uh, waving friend. Now, okay, pardon me, I skipped something. Uh, Kyle Fletcher came in to help, but Yujiro and Sho came back in and manhandled him. So now it's looking bad for the baby faces. Will manages to come out with his arm in a sling and then. Great Okan, Aaron Hanare, Jeff Cobb, they all come running out. Okan has hands. The ref is still out, by the way. The, the, ref is, still... the ref is still completely incapacitated. We're on three or four minutes right now. <laughs> yeah, he's very delicate there. Very delicate. Uh, Okan comes in and cuffs himself to Dick Togo after some histrionics there. That uh, He just handcuffed himself to Togo, which I thought was funny because he handcuffed him to Togo wrong, so they couldn't stand <laughs> facing the same direction, and <laughs> which is... Something you don't think about until you're stuck. <laughs> you know, you should still you're just catch Khan almost caught himself in the ropes when he yes, threw up. He did. He, he could throw up Togo and then he tried to go onto the ring above the rope. And then he'd be like, wait, nope. And then he had to turn himself around. There are a couple of things, Jeremy. I learned this in during my olden days, uh, when I was uh, at the very low levels of the wrestling business. A couple of things that people just don't think about until they're in the situation. One of them is handcuffs. You have to do it correctly, or you end up in this awkward position where you're facing the wrong direction if you're handcuffed to somebody. The other one is powder. You learn once, Jeremy, <laughs> to close your mouth when someone throws powder because the first time you're tired, you're doing it, someone throws powder, and you just get a mouthful of this stuff that soaks every bit of saliva out of your mouth, and you feel like you're dying. You make that mistake once, then you learn how to keep your mouth shut uh, when somebody throws powder at you. Uh, I have just, question, but we're going to move on. <laughs> just like the mist. The mist is another one. Thank God I never had to take mist. But uh, you, you, you take the mist in the face with the mouth open in shock until you realize they're just spitting on in my mouth. And then you learn how to take it with your mouth shut. <laughs> a couple of different things there. That's just things you learn. Uh, so anyway, uh, Hanare hits the streets of rage on Yudro. Then it just becomes a, a United Empire party. Uh, Fletcher with a super kick and a Coriolis on show with Davis. I mean, they're just laying these guys out left and right. They go so far as to grab evil and throw him to Jeff Cobb and give him tour of the islands. I mean, this is just total victory. Davis hits the airplane, that airplane spin reverse Samoan drop thingy that needs a name. Uh, looks fantastic. Crowd is loving every second of this. Mark Davis beats evil and, uh, you know, the world is safe for, uh, democracy, puppies, nuns, and children, and all this stuff. So I, everyone was just thrilled at the end of this thing uh, that Mark Davis and uh, United Empire ran off the House of Torture, ran through them, and put Davis into the semifinals. Fun stuff, really. I, normally, I don't like the House of Torture act, but this was enjoyable. So, what do you think, Mark Davis for Secretary General of the United Nations, or what? <laughs> <laughs> we could use him. <laughs> uh, you know, no, the guy. Uh, you talk about somebody seizing their opportunity, though. He did yeah. a wonderful job. He, uh, he, he stepped in, he stepped up, and uh, he outkicked his coverage 100%. And I think, I think New Japan knows what they have in Aussie Open is special. And if they don't, they're figuring it out quicker than they would have before this tournament started. The way they presented those two, I feel like they've always known. I feel like they've always yeah. known that these two are pretty special. They got those strong titles off of them so fucking quick. Like... No. <laughs> They're yeah, like, have, these guys are too good for the strong bigger, title. Bigger things in mind. So yeah. that came down to our main event. And look at this now. Uh, this is one that had a real big angle to it. And it is Sonata against Tetsuya Naito. 
24 minutes, 41 seconds. They did the fist bump before the match. This is an entertaining match. I mean, look who's involved. I mean, these two are terrific. The first 10 minutes, fairly even. There wasn't hatred portrayed in this match in either direction, but there was intensity. These guys wanted to beat one another. Uh, at the 20-minute mark, a moonsault uh, from Sonata was attempted, but Naito got his knees up. Naito hit a victory roll for two, and then a Destino that only got two. Now, he has people kick out of the Destino, and then he almost always goes right back to it. And he did, except this time, Sonata was ready for that and reversed it into that DDT he's got that he hasn't named yet and got the pinfall victory. After that, here we go. Taichi comes to the ring with just four guys not far behind. Sonata gets up and without hesitation, without any pontification or teasing anything, simply hugs Taichi, hugs the rest of just four guys, leaving the rest of LIJ perplexed. Shingo was on commentary. He came to the ring. Hiromu came out. Everyone was very confused until he basically said dismissively, I'm going nowhere in LIJ. I won't go any further in LIJ if I stay. You guys can take a walk scram, is what he said. Uh, and just just dismissed him. And the funny thing is, too, I mean, the only person that seemed upset about it was Shingo. But, uh, yeah, just left and is now part of just five guys. And, uh, yeah, just very dismissive of Naito afterwards. And uh, Sonata has left Los Ingobernables. He has joined up with uh, Taiichi. You kind of hinted that you thought that something like this was coming. The New Japan Cup's been rough on Naito. I think that's when he lost Evil. Isn't it? And then uh, the other thing uh, that I want to mention, too, is that we talk about the long-term storyline. One of the reasons we love New Japan, Jeremy, they've been teasing this for six, eight months. I have you a segment go- for you that I'm going to call Victory Lap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so you guys remember, if you've been watching, Conway called the... Conway well, called this a long time ago, and I was on board with it. But we workshopped Taichi and Kanata a long time ago. We have the footage. We're not going to go find it, but right. we know what we talked about. And we're talking YouTube. back in November, then yeah. back again in you know January. And you know, Kanata needed something. Kanata needed anything because he was the odd man out. Everybody had gotten something on that roster that mattered even like Ishii got a couple of title matches and here on and and features here there Kanata's just been in a wasteland so we're gonna we're gonna go forward on this but you and I were in lockstep on this (laughs) victory lap time Kanata moving on holy shit it happened (laughs) and that took us to uh more of the quarterfinals in Hamamatsu the attendance they're 1,101. Again, uh, you know, strong, strong crowd. And uh, the only thing of interest on the undercard there, Kenta and Suzuki clashed again. It was uh, the six-man tag champs there against Kenta, Chase Owens, and El Fantasmo. And uh, the champions won by disqualification. Kenta actually uh, grabbed chairs. He and Suzuki were swinging chairs at each other. Uh, he intentionally hit the referee for the DQ, and Kenta just beat down. Uh, Suzuki, and again, uh, Kenta, Chase Owens, and Phantasmo got along just fine. But that was quick, less than eight minutes, and by DQ, just to push ahead that narrative of these two at each other's throats. A rare DQ. 
Very rare in New Japan. You got to just intentionally waffle the referee in order to do it, apparently. Uh, Let's see what else we have there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a a pretty good chaos match here, too, with Ishii, Yano, Yo, and Leo Rush against LIJ uh, underneath there. Uh, Good stuff. And, of course, uh, Leo Rush and Hiromu Takahashi were giving us little teases uh, of uh, what we were going to see. Minor note. Minor note on this is that I felt Naito was a, a little muted in this match, but when he got to the match the next day, I thought he had the reaction of someone who felt betrayed in his own faction. And we'll touch on that, but there was a decided lack of emotion from here, and maybe they want to argue that he was still in shock from what happened. But you saw a decidedly different Naito later on in this tour. Going on to the quarterfinal matches that night, David Finlay and Shota Umino. So, a few weeks ago, I declared that Shota was going to get to the semifinals. Mm. Now, granted, that was before they did this whole shakeup with David Finlay and put him in the same bracket, so I was wrong. It didn't happen. Uh, but I do feel like Shota got a little bit of a, of a push out of the, the cup. And, uh, and, but this was, he was going to run into David Finley here. There was very little doubt as to who was going to win this one in my mind anyway, especially considering the main event was Tama Tonga and Hiroki Goto. The two winners were going to face each other. Finley was the only guy that made sense. He's the heel in that group. You know, that he's the only heel of those three. So I, I knew my prediction was doomed to failure as it turns out. But, uh, yeah, if, I didn't know that they were that one, that they were going to push Finley this hard and that he was going to be in Shota's bracket. So maybe I should, should have waited a couple of weeks, but I see Shota as the guy to bracket bust Finley in the G one. What do you think? Could be, could be, could that be. could be that defining win and they, and they move forward and that kind of thing. Cause, uh, Kind of think David Finley might uh, might have a title in his future, yeah. even if it's not the uh, one we thought it was. Right, and then we're we're building the bat with this match. So he defeats Shota Umino with the Trash Panda uh, in uh, 17 minutes 50 seconds. Good match, a real good match. Uh, the uh, counters back and forth were real strong here. I enjoyed this. These mm-hmm. are two very capable guys, and it does lead to a more important semifinal match for Finlay after that because next up was Tama Tonga and Hiroki Goto. This was a really good match between two guys that basically did a Goto match. It, it was it was a hard it was hard hitting. Uh it was not 100% full speed ahead. There wasn't a ton of stuff on the outside. It was a Hiroki Goto match and a very good example of one. And a lot of working toward that GTR in various forms, either out of the corner or just in the middle of the ring. Uh Tama managed to get out of the corner GTR. He hit a bloody Sunday for a near fall. Goto tried the GTR again, but Tama got out and headbutted him with the sort of that headbutt that goes to the collarbone. And then he got the gun stunned for the win. It was his first singles win over Hiroki Goto. First singles win for Tama Tonga over Goto. It was an excellent match. It was 14 minutes and 38 seconds. Thought it was real good. And it set up what turned out to be a very interesting semifinal. So Hiroki Goto is one of the most successful contenders in the New Japan Cup. <laughs> and uh, Tamatonga has been on the upswing. There was a part of me that kind of felt like this was a passing of the torch in the New Japan Cup. Kind of like mm. that gatekeeper role that Goto has had for for many, many years might might now belong to Tamatonga. Where he's just a guy you kind of have to get through in order to get to the, to the end of the tournament uh, for whoever's on the other side of the bracket. And uh, if that's the case, Cubs in good hands because Tamatonga is just perennial a deliverer 
Goto is just I don't know when they are going. I don't know what the deal is with Goto. He just seems to be getting better as he gets older. <laughs> well, and he's got he he didn't need to win this match, of course. He's got the tag team titles. He's got other things on the horizon. So this is exactly what this should have been. And that kind of further establishment of Tama Tonga as a truly top level babyface in the mm-hmm. company. This is somebody that is only going to be losing to top guys and it is uh, getting to that point now where he doesn't even lose to the second guy in the faction he's you gotta you gotta be the top guy to get to tamatanga not 100 percent of the time but that's what they're trying to tell you is that this is one of those guys you can't elevated he's elevated and and he's come through quite a bit this building on the next one was the weirdest building i have (laughs) ever seen in a new japan show I liked it though. Good one. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, what is going on here? It was just like a plateaued building. There were no like people in the stands or anything like that. And it was, it just, I remember seeing a picture on social media and it was the layout of it. It was like, there's nobody there. And then <laughs> like, I actually saw it from Elevate. I'm like, oh, it looks full. Okay. Sure. Yeah, there. <laughs> Almost 1,400 people, as a matter of fact, 1,396 here for this one. And uh, the only thing I wanted to mention here uh, from the undercard, well, there are a couple. Owens, Fantasmo, and Kenta faced Ishii, Yano, and Ryohei Oiwa. So, of course, it was Yohei Oiwa, uh, Ryohei Oiwa taking the fall. And uh, no healing from Bullet Club either, which is another thing that's interesting about these three. Owens, Fantasmo, and Kenta have stopped healing on the crowd altogether. Now they're doing the two sweet signs with anybody that brings them uh, signs or toys or merch or anything like that. There's they used to like fake that stuff and then ask, ah, screw you and all that stuff. None of that anymore. This is absolute baby facing from these guys. Super weird. Super weird. Very weird. Yeah. What is going on with these people? Uh, let's see. Uh, the, the other thing they tried to do uh, with uh, they put Taguchi back with Desperado, Suzuki, and Narita. He's probably after what happened today. Probably wishes he never was. But they faced the house of torture. No coaching accepted once again. They were trying to do the forever elbows. And, of course, Taguchi was doing his act of directing it. And Suzuki was having none of it. Chopped the living hell out of him. And then whipped him in uh, for the hip attack on on, on Yujiro right there. So uh, no one's uh, putting up with the shenanigans there. Uh, in the end, Sho hit Taguchi with a wrench. So, again, just a rough week for Taguchi. Um, let's see. ELP came out for commentary. So Phantasma was on commentary for this one. He was mm-hmm. terrific. Uh, he was, uh, talking, joking with Kevin Kelly about new room massages. And he had my favorite line of the night, which was the Tomowaki Honma sounds like the noise that happens when you leave the garbage disposal on too long. Wow. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, I did like the little angle that they did while ELP was there and David Finley was out in which they had their little face-to-face and made it clear that, you know, ELP will get in line if David Finley wins the cup. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, by the way, uh, just as a side note, Tomaki Honma, strong tour, looked good in this match with Jeff Cobb and Kyle Fletcher. I never he thought he would look this good. He's really looking didn't. good. I know, <laughs> like, considering the guy was paralyzed not too long ago, really, and his, was liter- literally paralyzed. This guy's having some good. He's doing he, good stuff he in there. Looks can... mobile again. Like there, he just when he would wrestle, he would look stiff as a board. You know, like yeah. a mannequin, and like the arms would stay in the same place, and he would take the bump almost bracing for it. But mm-hmm. he looks as almost as if he's relaxed and can take a bump a little more organically, and it makes the matches look so much better. And I'm just really happy to see it. 
Absolutely, because it, it looked really bad for him. And, uh, of course, he's doing the Shinjiro Otani tributes in his matches there with the uh, the face wash with the boot and things. That's a, a classic Otani move. Otani going through a lot of the same things that Honma does. And with any luck, he'll be back up and around someday, we hope, like Honma is. If he, if he, even if he never wrestles again, we want to see him back up and around. So, so we got um, Angry hmm. Tetsuya Naito in a tag match against a couple of juniors. That was yeah, something. Her- yeah, Hiromo and Naito. Naito was feeling his Wheaties that day. He against uh, Leo Rush and Yo. They they won the match, but this it was, was a, a a more energized Naito than we usually get with T-shirt Naito. I I thought for a second with the way that he was wrestling this match that he was getting ready to wrestle Speedball Mike Bailey. Like no <laughs> joke. Like you you're, you're getting ready to wrestle a junior here, buddy. <laughs> like what's going on here? I think he was having a good time. Folks yeah. uh, forget that Naito and Yujiro were actually a tag team in the junior heavyweight division for at uh, the beginning of their career. So they were they're used to the high speed stuff at one point. Uh, Yujiro is now the slowest guy in the company. <laughs> and uh, and now uh, Naito has a slower style as well that works better for his Ingobernable's character. But uh, for a while, if you watch stuff from uh, 2010, 2011 in there, Naito was full speed ahead. I mean, this was a sprint, 10 minutes. Naito got the destino on Yo, but this was, Naito was very clearly the aggressor in this match. Like, he was just, he was a pissed off Naito after what had happened with Sonata the other night. And I just thought it was a really, I thought that they, in this moment of time, having this dynamic play out the way it did was a thoughtful movement in the storyline. I thought it was also interesting what Naito said. And that he was, Kevin Kelly reported as Naito saying that if you're a top guy, you're a top guy in any faction. If you're not a top guy, you're not a top guy, no matter what faction you're in. And that's a clear. No detected. <laughs> yeah. And so that was clearly his idea of uh, dismissing Sonata there a little bit for turning his back on the LIJ group. Nevertheless, the Sonata doesn't act by a white cape. <laughs> Sonata does not come off as a heel to me uh, in nope. any of this, uh, but we're going to get to all that. So uh, next thing is the semifinal, David Finlay and Tama Tonga. 18 minutes, 47 seconds. Uh, terrific match. The first 10 minutes was all Finlay to the point that I just thought, hmm, maybe Tama Tonga is going to win this thing. And uh, it led to uh, the, uh, it, was, it led to a supreme flow from uh, Tama Tonga as he made his comeback. Uh, he turned a trash panna attempt into a sharpshooter, which I thought was interesting and uh, very nicely done. Got a bloody Sunday for two. Couldn't quite put David Finlay away. A lot of b- big moves getting blocked as it came down the stretch. A gun stun attempt goes into a backslide into the trash panda. So we saw the backslide turn into a death rider for Shoto Umino earlier in the tournament here. It turns into a trash panda for David Finlay. And that sets up the never open weight title matches. Finlay pins Tamatanga, gets that clean victory. And it was pretty much a clean victory. Uh, you got to feel like this one's probably coming at Sakura Genesis. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this is one of those matches that this is where David Finley kind of, he starts to heat up and Bullet Club starts to coalesce is that I would, I would strongly suspect that David Finley is going to win that never open weight title. And I think so too. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. I think that I think it's a great vehicle for him. Mm-hmm. 
in that to, to hold that underneath title. And it also has an ancillary benefit is that keeps him away from Okada for a minute. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's ready yet for that no. spot. They need to establish this heel David Finlay. I don't think he's, he's in that spot yet. So that keeps him away from Okada. Uh, to maybe to uh, win the never open way time. We'll get to how all that turned out in the finals. We're going to get to something else too, but I'm not necessarily sure Okada is going to be a baby face or a pure baby face for that much longer either. No, we'll see, but that's, yeah. that's an interesting thought. Uh, but we have, uh, he's certainly, he's certainly going to be a mixed uh, bag at the at Genesis. Should Sonata against Mark Davis in the main event, another terrific match. And again, Mark Davis, considering he had two singles matches that he didn't expect to have really stepped up nicely. We got Sonata out with a whole new look. Also, he comes out, both he and Taichi have ditched the hair dye. There's no blonde anymore in them. Uh, got a haircut, uh, trimmed his beard, shaved a clean shaven one. Uh, my girlfriend was in the room and she said, glow up. Right. Uh, so she was happy. Uh, Do said you think he, he keeps the mask? Yeah, he's still a cold skull, isn't he? He's still yeah, a cold but he skull. could get rid of it by Genesis. Like Probably. he could have a new, like new entrance slash something because it still feels LIJ-ish. Like it just it's it's too tied to LIJ for me. Yeah, it's probably do something else here before too much longer. I think just five guys will probably have more of a uniform look uh as they go forward. And, uniform uh, like serving burgers or <laughs> uh <laughs> that, or yeah, like they're all just wearing the same shirt to just five guys. <laughs> Exactly. So they're making burgers here. So uh, this was power versus technique. That was the story of the match here. We have uh, Mark Davis and his power against Sonata's technical skill. Uh, Mark Davis did that wonderful move. I love it. Uh, never seen it before until him. Now I've seen it twice where he has the guy laying in front of him. He grabs his legs and just yanks him up in the air, grabs him, pile drives him. Just looks killer. Sonata managed to escape that reverse airplane Samoan drop thingy that I needed to learn the name of if it has one. Uh, and then, <laughs> not yet, yeah. And uh, neither one of them. Elker calls it the downward spiral. <laughs> I guess right. that's not that's as good as anything else. Yeah. Um, very exciting, terrific stuff. Uh, I, I enjoyed this. Da Davis was helped so much by these wins uh, that it, by these matches rather. He won one of them against Evil and then lost this one. Uh, he uh, reversed that Samoan drop airplane spin thing into that DDT that he's doing now and uh, moved on to the finals. And David Finlay came out for the big stare down afterwards. It's going to be Finlay versus Sonata. <laughs> so two guys who they're at the month, same level with each other. And a month ago, we're in different factions than they're in right now and had different looks than they have right now. And, they go all the way to the finals, and we're going to go to that uh, show here in Nagaoka. That was this morning, very early this morning. 3,384 very enthusiastic fans in Nagaoka. And as we approach this final, we're going to talk about the final first. We're just going to go right into it. Sonata and Finlay, very similar circumstances, but the path to get to the final led me to believe that Sonata was going to win the match because Finlay had what he needed out of the tournament, which was that win over Tamatanga and a match at Sakura Genesis. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they were going to put him in with Okada. I thought it was too early. Now they've done Okada and Sonata before. So that's the other thought there, but say Jeremy, like Sonata had the win over Naito and you can always go back to that because those two are going to be uh, at each other's throats a little bit because of the way Sonata left. But had Sonata lost this final, 
he would have switched factions, gotten a couple of wins, and then lost in the big moment. And I'm not sure what he really gets out of the tournament. He would have been a geek. He would have, he would have continued to be a geek. Finlay had what he needed. He got that title match set up with Tama Tonga. He could lose this, and there's still the Bullet Club drama. There's still the match with Tama Tonga. He didn't need this final as much as Sonata did in order to solidify this turn and to make Sonata an interesting new version of his character. So Sonata also had the benefit of being in Nagaoka, which is his hometown. So the crowd was totally into him. You had a babyface heel dynamic here for sure. It was a very good match and it built. Uh, you saw uh, a tiger suplex on a moonsault from Sonata for a close uh, two count a swinging skull end. Finley managed to turn that into a cutter. He went back to the skull end again. Finley got out of that and hit a blue thunder bomb. Then he speared the living hell out of Sonata set him up for uh, the, the big finisher there, the trash panda. Uh, but, uh, and, and in fact, Sonata tried his DDT, which was countered into a German suplex, which Sonata no sold. Uh, trash panda attempt was turned into a shining wizard, the big DDT and Sonata wins. And it was just what it needed to be. You have all these thoughts like Finlay. He's got El Fantasma to deal with. He's got Tamatanga to deal with. And now Sonata Looks like he may have made the right choice in leaving LIJ. He wins the New Japan Cup. He's standing in the ring with the streamers and the trophy. And, of course, he called out Okada afterwards. And Okada says, what, just because you change your you, – you, you, you go get a haircut and you can beat me now? You know, I'm, you're still not on my level. I don't think he is either. Was I think Okada's winning that. But the, uh, between the two, that one had a faction that supported them and one had a faction that didn't? Hmm? Yeah, you know, maybe could be it's it's an interesting thought and uh, certainly a a subplot that could play out i mean finlay could lay the blame at somebody else there like where were you guys when they needed you that type of thing uh well yeah you're not there when you need when when we need you that type of thing you know it can be that kind of a butting of the heads so i thought good final it was a good final it's a really good it was 19 minutes and 56 seconds and, and it was terrific and uh, we had, uh, yeah, Sonata wins the New Japan Cup. He'll go on to Sakura Genesis against Kazushika Okada. I expect Okada to win that match, but it'll probably be excellent. And uh, you lose nothing by losing to Okada. So it uh, should be terrific. Uh, I, Brad is asking, does Sonata have any chance to beat Okada? If he loses, does it stop his momentum with the new faction story? I don't think anyone loses momentum by losing to Okada. I think they have successfully put Okada at a point where there is zero shame whatsoever in losing to him. I do think that they need to keep the gas pedal down on just five guys. I don't think any of them, including Doki, including Taichi, including even Taka, should be losing too much. Uh, you know, they can do it once in a while. I, I, I don't. There's no. I don't see any way that Sonata's winning this match, but I don't think it'll hurt him to lose it. This was a heel promo by Okada when he came out here. Hanada was the baby face and Okada was the heel. Okada came out here and he proceeded to dress down Hanada and say, what took you so long? What, where have you been? I've been waiting for you all this time. And it started with like a congratulatory kind of vibe, but it turned very negative to the point where Hanada's like, you know what? what you're saying might be true, but I just won the cup and I just won the main event tonight. So you can go and I will see you soon. And Okada just looked at him. He's like, fine. And he 
applauded and he walked away. But this was not noble leader Okada coming out to congratulate his next challenger. He seemed annoyed. He seemed like this was beneath him. And it's been a trend that's been happening very subtly uh, since he got his title back at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, there is... There is something to it, and I don't know if it's a long con because what they want to set up is Will Ospreay the babyface versus Okada the heel at Wrestle Kingdom. But if that's the case, they are laying the groundwork incredibly early for this. Yeah, that's, that is, that's on brand with Ghetto as far as laying groundwork that early. So it could very well be. And I, yeah. I think Okada as a, an arrogant kind of a jerk heel might be just what he needs as well, because a lot of people have said, Oh geez, we're going back to Okada. Well, you go back to him if he's the best damn wrestler in the world. And he is. So I understand them putting the title on him, but you know, a little freshening up doesn't hurt anything. I mean, your head's going to get real big. If people are celebrating you as the, uh, for the 50th anniversary of Enoki and like the second coming of Enoki, and he come out there and anyone who's questioning his platitudes, he's starting to get annoyed with instead of like, no, I'm a fighting champion and I will take your challenge. So definitely a different, different dynamic. We had a junior heavyweight match on this show too, as we try to get through this card here. Uh, this is just a fun day, by the way. This is a really good show. Hiromu Takahashi, Leo Rush. Well, we've been saying for weeks that we were looking forward to this one and it delivered. There was a ton of running early with these guys. Uh, they, at counter after counter. I love the fun sequences of these guys tumbling with each other and trying to get a move and missing and, and just, you know, kicks and punches and various things whizzing by each other's heads. A lot of interesting combinations of topes and moonsaults on the outside. These guys were having fun in there, Jeremy. They were enjoying this. And uh, I, I love the fact that Rush even did a direct drive, you know, with the O at ringside there, did a direct drive but he uh, missed the frog splash at the 20 minute mark. Hiromo hit the time bomb too for a win. I thought this was brilliant. I thought it delivered on everything they had been teasing during the preview tags and uh, Leo rush apologizing to yo on the way out for not winning. I, I agreed with you that there's an edge to him and, uh, but I don't think they're ready to pull any triggers yet. I think he and yo are staying together for a while here and, Leo is really blending in very well with New Japan. And this is, we said, this is the company that can appreciate and showcase his talents. I hope he stays a long time. I love this. I think he's going to hold that belt eventually. Uh, it wasn't time quite yet, but boy, what a wonderful match this was. This is the best fit for Leo Rush that I've seen in his entire career. And Kevin Kelly was pushing, was uh, just talking him up from the time before they saw him as a scout back yeah. in the ring of honor days uh everything about this looked to push leo rush as a mega star and had he won today no one would have complained had he lost today no one would have complained this was the match of the show in my yeah. opinion yeah. uh just a tremendous outing by by both of these guys and uh they kept the they kept the gas on the um on the junior heavyweight division after that Zack Sabre Jr. of all people came down to ringside afterwards, and I really kind of looked at it crossways. I was just like, he's like, not going to, is it like Fujita is going to go? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, what in the world? Well, he announced that there is a new member of TMDK, and it's Robbie Eagles. Now, we mentioned Eagles yeah. as making sense for United Empire there because he has that history I, with Osprey. Yeah. There was a report last week that I talked that said that a report had him joining United Empire. So it may be that the report was wrong and he had joined the Mighty Don't Kneel, 
because uh, this is a great fit. <laughs> well, he he did not need to be in chaos anymore. His spot was gone. And he didn't really work in Hantai either, which is really where he was. He wasn't really part of the chaos mix. He was teaming with Tiger Mask. and He was going nowhere, to be honest with you. He, he really had wasn't going anywhere with that. Took third on a totem pole. Yeah, behind Yo and behind really behind Yo, behind Leo Rush, and you can make a case that he was fourth with Chaos and Watto. Watto yeah, with, with Hantai because of Watto. Watto. So with that, you go into TMDK, and now you are the featured singles junior, at least until Fujita graduates. And then you know, even so, I mean, those two might end up in junior tag league together. Who's going to complain about that? The uh, you know, Robbie Eagles is a wonderful uh, wrestler. He and Hiromo are going to have another really good match at Genesis. And it's something new and something, a space for a guy who needed space. And I think Robbie can really excel here. I'm just super stoked that uh, 2023 New Japan seems mm. to be coming up with innovative and new roles for guys that are supremely talented and maybe not getting the opportunity to shine that they that they should have. So good job by New Japan. After two years of a very static roster, mm-hmm. Ghetto is enjoying the freedom that he now has and the elbow room he has with bringing in people. So Good time uh, to be a New Japan fan. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good time. So we had uh, Shingo Takagi and Tetsuya Naito. This is worth mentioning. They faced uh, Aaron Hanare and the Great Okan on the undercard. And uh, just another terrific match. Hanare and Shingo Takagi, Jeremy. The stipulation. What do you think of the stipulation for the King I don't know. Tell me. Tell it to me. Oh, are you it. ready? Yeah. A taped fist muay thai knockout match that sounds about right i was figuring some type of mma style like brawl brawl match yeah we're gonna get we're gonna get something pretty violent there so they're gonna tape up the fists and uh they're the only way to win let's do this yeah no dipped wax and glass I'm I'm thrilled. That, that was the only thing that they didn't do out of uh, actually. Uh, El Fantasmo almost picked this match. He said they should just do a Muay Thai match with their hands dipped in glass. They didn't do that, so they, they didn't go with uh, the Ian and Axel Rotten uh, theme. Thank God. Oh darn, John Cod Van Dam did not manifest the truth. <laughs> but there it is. Uh, yeah, and Brad Reader saying it here. The 2023 faction shakeup is a great thing. Absolutely, it is, isn't it? Been, it just fe- it's been since I started regularly watching New Japan that they've had a faction shakeup like this. Yeah, it feels great. It's just been uh, exciting. And we still don't know totally how it's going to turn out. I mean, the El Fantasmo and his group might be splitting off. They might join up with Finlay. I really could go either direction. So uh, we also saw a severe beatdown of the six-man tag champions without Minoru Suzuki. So the storyline here, Suzuki not on the card. Taguchi taking the spot with Toro Yano. And House of Torture just came out and blitzed these guys, beat the living shit out of them, uh, and left... Humiliated them. Both Yano and Taguchi in a heap, beat Yano in 2 minutes 45 seconds, cut Narita's uh, Son of Strong Style t-shirt off and spray-painted H.O.T., House of Torture, on his chest, took the mask of El Desperado twice. You what can't the put shit, dude. <laughs> you cannot put a whole lot more heat on it than that. They were just vicious. They were uh, this Where was, was this feud when they were doing dog cages? <laughs> like, yeah. 
if House of Torture acts a little bit more like this, I might be less annoyed by them. But yeah. uh, this this was a strong way to build heat for a never open weight six man tag match. I'm in, and I, I think this is great. I and don't I also expect think... a re. I don't expect a title change. I don't think they're going to be flip flopping the titles the way they did between Chaos and House of Torture. But they needed something to energize this feud because they killed it dead with the last time they were all together. Want to bring this up, Jeremy? There is a nice six-man tag team developing over the last few shows that is also affiliated with that group and that's chase owens phantasmo and kenta who is feuding with minoru suzuki they might just take that not just over the strong title but also make it part of the never open weight six-man thing especially if kenta beats suzuki uh, on this show the the uh the multiverse show because then i think that a much better opponent for narita Desperado and Suzuki is the combination of Owens, ELP, and Kenta. That's a match I want to see. Bullet Club versus Strong Style seems like a feud that would blow off at Dominion. Yeah, that, I mean, that I, sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun. Bullet Club versus Strong Style, let's do it. Especially if they keep this House of Torture thing where they stop they stop looking like bumbling idiots mm-hmm. and look more like a dangerous unit. I think that would be healthy for everyone involved. <laughs> So the only other thing, let's see. Oh, we had a we had a weird video after this match, a very weird video that came on over the uh, the PA there, the PA. Uh, I guess the sound went over the PA, but the video screen had it. Did you see this, Jeremy? Did you I did. That? It's a weird video. It involved aliens, perhaps an asteroid smashing into Earth, soldiers in the woods, and the eyes of a wolf. We don't know what it's about. It just says. Do you have any guesses? I think I do. Well, the first name that comes to mind is Yoda Suji coming I back, agree. but I don't, I don't know what this gimmick would be. <laughs> it was very uh, weird. An inhuman monster. Ooh, maybe so. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and uh, let's let's read a couple of uh, comments here. We don't know. We don't know. They, it was intentionally completely vague. They're just that was just a little teaser uh, that they did there. We're not going to find out for a little while. Probably maybe not Dominion. Maybe not until Dominion. Who knows? But uh, I don't yeah. know who Drew Parker is. He's retired from death matches, according to Brad okay. Ryder. I'm going to say that they don't do videos like that for guys that the New Japan audience aren't supposed to know. Yeah, if, I if think if that's you, true. If you, between Drew Parker and Yoda Suji, I'd put my money on Yoda Suji because you are familiar with him. And so you can do a video, not do the name. If you're going to introduce Drew Parker, you introduce Drew Parker's name. Like you tell yeah. people who he is off the bat. You don't, it just, I don't know. Like that's just my, my personal thing. I feel like this is someone that we should know who it is. And I, I don't know who Drew Parker is. It's reminiscent, the style of this video where it, there's just no information and it's just this odd tease. It's reminiscent of the, the ticking time bomb that turned out to be Hiromo Takahashi, the, the slashes of the blade that turned out to be Jay White, the, teases of the biker that turned out to be john moxley it, it, it does feel like something like hey you know who this is we're just not going to tell you exactly I mean, what yoda suji is a beast of a man so <laughs> well he he had that that match in england where he had with ishii i mean i'm in on yoda suji but uh yeah we'll see how that goes out so we had that uh let's see um united empire defeated chaos did we cover that I think we did, didn't we? No, we didn't do that. We we didn't do that one. But yeah, that was uh, Cobb, Fletcher, and Davis defeated Goto, Okada, and Yoshihashi. Poor Yoshihashi taking that Coriolis, of course. Uh, there's little doubt. 
that the next challengers for Bishamon for those IWGP tag team titles are Aussie Open. Can't think of a better tag team and it'll uh, for it the job. And I can't wait to see this match. It's going to be terrific. And uh, it could actually be the switch here. Uh, I still think that they're trying to lean hard on Bishamon. I'm a mark but... for Aussie Open. I want them to get belted and to carry the belt for the rest of 2023. But if it's not now, it's going to happen at some point. So I'm fine. They like to spread the belts out, and right now, uh, United Empire is a little, a little barren on that. Tag, on that they got the junior tags. They got the junior tags, but those guys aren't here half the time. So yeah. I mean, they could be a thing where they could. But it's going to be kind of on. inactive over the next month when they're doing the Super Juniors tournament. Yeah. they're not. You know, they're going to be involved in that. So maybe they they end up setting up their next feud through Dominion uh, based off of the Super Junior wins or losses that they have there. So you know, <laughs> definitely, definitely a good chance that Aussie Open. The Flaming Shark makes a fair point here. Let's hope that it's better than Way to the Grandmaster. Now, we know that Watto has indeed stepped up over the, the last year or so, but uh, let's face it, that uh, Way to the Grandmaster debut was The, the Magical rough. Forest Discovery. Was a li- <laughs> that was a little bit closer to Gobbledygooker than it was to Jay White. <laughs> but uh, Watto has recovered. Watto has recovered and is doing very well now. So, uh, But yeah, good point. Let's hope it's a little closer to that than uh, it is. All right. We only got a couple more matches to talk about, right? Yeah, and uh, let's see, we had uh, the Bullet Club, uh, we mentioned that, uh, ELP, Chase, and Kenta over Tama, Tonga, Tamawaki Honma, and Tomohiro Ishii, this is building up Chase and Ishii some more, and uh, we saw Io, uh, I- why can't I say that guy's name today, I do it every other week, Ryohei Oiwa, there, sorry about that, uh, Oiwa, and showed up. And Shota Omino defeated the Mighty Don't Kneel, that would be Zack Sabre and Kosei Fujita. A pretty good match, and again, setting up things for Omino and Zack as far as that TV title goes. And uh, yeah, the only other one, just five guys, uh, the team of Doki and Taichi defeated Tanahashi and Yudo Nakashima in the very first match of the night. Uh, the crowd was into everything Nakashima did. It was his hometown, Sonata's hometown as well. And uh, this was better than most openers due to a very enthusiastic Naga Oka crowd there. They were into just about everything, Jeremy. It felt uh, a little bit more like a pre-pandemic crowd of people that were shouting people's names during the quieter times. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't one of those things where the crowd went quiet for very long at all. And, and even since the pandemic, we've seen some of these little dead periods sometimes in matches. Nothing against the wrestlers, but there are times when they're just kind of used to not making any noise and they sit there and this crowd was into everything from bell to bell. Shota came out from the crowd and when he came out from the crowd, he looked like a star. Like he, I haven't seen Shota look like a star the way he looked like a star on this show today. And he even got to the point where he got to the ring and then realized <laughs> just sprinted down yeah. as he did a whole thing. He just waited for his cue, got in the ring. And then he was just there waiting for, Shota as he got in there. And it was just one of those like, man, they are rolling out the red carpet literally for Shota Umino. And this crowd was here for it. They were mm-hmm. here for it all the way. They were like, Shota's here. And I was like, oh, they are. They are behind this guy. So what they're doing is working for the local crowds in, in New Japan. So, you know, even if I'm not there all the way with them, they got something with Shota Umino. I think he's going to really turn out to be a terrific wrestler and a great baby face. And, and he's 
working his way to it. Perhaps a TV title run is exactly what he needs to move that a little bit further along. Jeremy, we're running out of time. There's been so much to talk about. What? Any other thoughts you have toward uh, the New Japan Cup? And then moving forward into this multiverse show, we're headed toward Best of the Super Juniors. We actually don't have as many shows over the next few weeks as we have in the past, so we're going to have some time to get some breathing room and talk about some of these overarching stories. Mm -hmm. But any quick thoughts from you here as we uh, put the New Japan Cup 2023 to bed? I feel like we are heading into a very bright and vibrant period of New Japan right now after the Wrestle Kingdom and just kind of the Fantastica Mania and getting the stuff going in the year. We have a vision of 2023. It looks like a lot of fun and the re restacking of the deck uh, in New Japan, I think is going to pay off dividends because everybody seems to be refreshed. Everybody seems to have some type of angle going forward. And the directions, you know, like people ask me about this stuff. We're getting, people are more engaged to talk about New Japan. And I don't know what it is other than the entirety of the product seems to be hot. Feels very good to be a New Japan fan, like you said. And there, there are a lot of twists and turns still to come. And that's my favorite part of all this is that we know there's going to be a lot more and uh, just before we go here, there's been some comments from the guys here. Uh, and we want to thank everybody for watching live. Give the cap to Flaming Shark for calling that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Back on the, this is from the Flaming Shark. Back on the prediction show, I did mention how I convinced myself that Sonata would fall backwards into a New Japan Cup win since he had nothing going on. Correct, sir. And now he is uh, has plenty going on. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him going into the G1, too. And uh, Brad Reader feels that we don't have anything to worry about with Shota anymore, that he's going to be what they want him to be. And, of course, that's a pressure-filled spot, isn't it, Brad? Because what they want him to be is Hiroshi Tanahashi, <laughs> which is not an easy spot to fill. But uh, he's doing a great job of being the lovable baby face that uh, takes pictures with the kids and the slap bracelets and everything else. Like he's, he's he's picking it up. He's picking it up. And he's he's doing quite well. So uh, Good, uh, good marks for Shota so far. One last reminder for the audience. We will be covering Multiverse United, Impact, and New Japan Pro Wrestling primarily on the Break for Impact show live the night of Multiverse United. So if you are looking for that primary review, that is where you are going to find it. We may touch on it on our own show, but the main one will be there. And you can find that immediately after Multiverse United next Thursday night. So uh, he is at J.E.R. Feinstone on Twitter. I'm at Stephen Conway 88 on Twitter. Anything else you want to plug there besides the Brace for Impact stuff, Jeremy? I'm just really happy we made it in nearly 90 minutes. Almost, yeah. <laughs> for this, there's a lot to get in. So again, really want to thank everybody for watching live. We, we're really grateful to you guys. We enjoy the feedback. We enjoy the interaction. Uh, it's just been really fun for us going live, and uh, you guys have made it that way. So uh, to Colin, Brad, Flaming Shark, Bill Bird, uh, who wonders if it's a returning Gabriel kid. That's an interesting thought, uh, too, as a matter of fact. Uh, so for everybody that's watching, uh, all of you guys, Colin, all the rest of you, thank you so much. And uh, for the folks listening there, uh, we'll have this up as a podcast in the next uh, few hours. And until then, uh, for a very tired Jeremy and Stephen, who's uh, been watching a lot of great wrestling, uh, it's time to wrap this one up. We'll be back next week. We'll see you all real soon. Thanks for watching. Speaking of Strong Style. Bye.